Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast, where the Commander Clash crew discusses Commander-related topics, and today, we're going to be talking about the best ramp cards in Commander, or at least at the playgroup they were playing at, at the power level they were playing at, which I would say is kind of like mid-power, casual, not CDH. Um, and yeah, we're just going to be going over every single color and talk about our favorite, most powerful, staply go-to ramp options for each of those colors, what we go for and jam in first. Um, and joining me, as always, for this discussion is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. How's it going, Seth? I'm doing well, Tomer. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. I know there's going to be some interesting debates and and, and uh, controversies, minor controversies on on some of the lists. So I'm interested <laughs> in getting into the thick of these things. <laughs> uh, and then next up, we got the Asian Avenger, aka Krim. How's it going, Krim? Yo, what's up, Tomer? Uh, it's going. It's going. <laughs> Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Krim. <laughs> and finally, we got the Bruce Kitchen, aka Phil. How's it going, Phil? Hey, everything's uh, pretty warm here in Germany. Otherwise, doing pretty well, but sweating a lot. And sunshiny. Oh, yeah, you don't have AC in Germany, right? Like, that's no. not a concept. <laughs> no. Right, right. That's uh, unfortunate. Um, and yeah, uh, hello, this is me, Tomer. And yeah, we're going to go into the discussion. But before we jump into the actual cards... One way you can support the podcast, you can like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, be it YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to it. Uh, just do the equivalent of liking, subscribing there. And the second way you can support the channel is you can head on over to nggoldfishmerch.com. You can buy our merch. You can buy play mats, deck sleeves, deck boxes, t-shirts, and so much more at mggoldfishmerch.com. All right. Now for the cards. Like I said, we're going to be focusing on uh, colored ramp options. So cards that can only be featured in a white deck, cards that can only be featured in a blue deck, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and that said, the basis for most ramp packages, regardless of what color you are, especially if you're not in green, are going to be colorless options. So we're not going to be jumping into those for every single color because that would be uh, tedious and repetitive. Um, just, just for, uh, just for, you know, to, to acknowledge it, we got Mana Crypt, Sol Ring, Jewel Lotus, all the talismans, Arcane, uh, like uh, all the talisman of creativity and all that sort of stuff. Uh, all the signets, including the Guild signets and Arcane signet. And then just like colorless options like Mindstone, Thought Vessel, and also some of the equipment that ramp as well. Sort of the Animus, Dowsing Dagger, Dagger uh, Sword of Hearth and Home. These slot into any deck because they are all colorless options, or at least uh, they slot into most decks. Um, the talismans and signets require you to be in at least one color, uh, usually two. Uh, but most of them slot into many different decks. Um, but we're not focusing on that. We're going to be talking about, like, if you're in a white deck, what type of ramp options are going to be uh, doing and whatnot. And speaking of white, Seth, uh, kick it off of your list. What are your top five uh, go-to options for ramping in white? All right. So for mono white, we have number one by a huge margin smothering tithe four man enchantment 
whenever an opponent draws a card, if they don't pay two mana, you get a treasure token. Number two is Deep Gnome Terramancer, a, a relatively new card. Two mana, two, two with flash. That whenever one or more lands enter the battlefield under an opponent's control without being played, you get to tutor for planes, put it on the battlefield, tapped, only do it once each turn. Supposed to be your opponent fetches a rampant growth, anything like that that is not just making their land drop for the turn. Uh, number three, Archaeomancer's Map, another pretty new card, a three-mana artifact that says, when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for up to two basic planes, reveal them, put them in your hand, and then when a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if they have more lands than you, you can put a planes, or you can put a land, rather, onto the battlefield from your hand. And then number four and five, essentially the same card, Knight of the White Orchid, Loyal Warhounds. They're both two drops when they ETB... When the ETB, if uh, an opponent has more lands than you, you can tutor up a planes, put it on the battlefield tapped. Uh, Loyal Warhound is a 3-1 with Vigilance, and Knight of the White Orchid is a 2-2 with First Strike. But uh, as far as ramping, they, they essentially do the same thing. I beg to differ. Knight of the White Orchid is so much better because it gets duels, and they enter untapped. Yep. So it's essentially oh, like okay. a three-visit. planes. It gets eight okay. planes, so you can get your right. you can get a, a dual planes. You could get like a Goldish Shrine or something and put it on the battlefield untapped, which yep. is yep. really good. Loyal Warhound is just a basic planes, and it goes into play tapped. So okay, Knight so there, there is some and Knight they are... is better in combat. <clears throat> Eh. Eh. You think a two 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 first strike's better than a three power non first striker? I don't With vigilance, yeah, With vigilance, yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's I, contextual. Contextual, I would mm-hmm. say. So sometimes one will be better, sometimes other. I, yeah, I but you, Warhound does trade with like literally everything. <laughs> You are right as far as uh, as far as ramping. I guess Knight is a little bit better, although they both have the same issue, which is inconsistency. Where unless yes. you're ha- playing bounce lands or having lotus fields or ways to manipulate your land count, there's going to be games where you just don't have someone more lands than you. And when the, when Knight of the Boy Orchid is just a two two, or Loyal Warhounds is just a three one, they are really bad in Commander. Like that is. About as bad as the card is can exist in a commander deck, I think, uh, when they are not doing their ramp job. So that is my top five list, but uh, mm-hmm. I know everyone else has a list. Uh, I don't know who's next. Uh, Phil, do you have I... any differences on, on Seth? Yeah, my only difference is I put a Kaomancer's map between Knight of the White Orchid and Loyal Warhound. So Knight is on three and Warhound is on five. A Kaomancer's map on four. To be honest, I haven't played with Archaeomancer's map yet because it's not on MTGO, but it reads a little bit less. It reads a little boring. It just ramps. And I think Knight of the White Orchid, like the first strike is actually very relevant, I think. And getting duels. Like, I think, yeah, Archaeomancer's map just rams. But Knight of the White Orchid. It's pretty good at wearing equipment. Not that I would usually do something like this, but mm-hmm. I'd say I'd switch those two. Otherwise, yeah, Smothering Tide on one. Deep Gnome Terramancer is interesting. We haven't seen it on Clash yet, but it seems good the better your playgroup gets, like as soon as they is play it, fetches and stuff. Is it, it online? It gets pretty wild. It it's is, not on, it is, on Magic is it? Online. Oh, I, I thought it was. So. Oh, I, I've, I've, like, been so impressed with that card it's done silly things 
like I'm the Zedru, I have it in my Zedru deck, and I have more mana than the green player consistently. It's very funny. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but... out of all the cards mentioned on this white list, only Deep Down Terramancer and Smothering Tithe are like relatively guaranteed to get you lands. They're not catch-up ramp. They're the only two that are not catch-up ramp, that don't require your opponent to have more lands on the battlefield than you, which is is nice. I think that is why they why they rank very highly on both of our lists. Well, Deep Gnome still requires your opponent to do something, which is... They need to lands. do something, yeah. but you can have the most lands at the table, and your opponent cracks the fetch, and you yeah, still yeah, get yeah. a land. It's not like, yeah, oh, you gotta be, like, sucking. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones are like, hey, sorry, White, you're really bad at this, so we'll give you a little pity land. Like, don't do it too much, though, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't yeah. ramp too oh, much, or else your things you? stop working. Is your White deck <laughs> actually getting as many lands as everyone else? We yeah. can't have that. Like, cut them <laughs> off, cut them off. Wait, Wait, just see... <laughs> Deep Known Terramancer doesn't require the opponent uh, to have its own effect put a land into play. So you could actually use, what is it, Field of Ruin, the one that targets, that gets every player land. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's probably the only situation where I put, <laughs> you uh, play it. Field of Ruin. Although right. the, the downside is you ramp to unrelated players because everyone gets a that, land. Yeah, it's still not good. <laughs> so it's a little, still a little group but, hockey, but you ramp a bunch. Yeah. Right. But first, we have to hear Krim's list, and then mine, and then we get into the cards. Krim, uh, what do you got? What's your uh, list? The list is, like, pretty similar, just uh, give or take a few ranking differences, but I have Smothering Tide that won, Knight of the White Orchid, Loyal Warhound, Archaeomancer's Map, and then Deep Gnome Terramancer. Uh, Deep Gnome Terramancer, or, sorry, d- yeah, according to how I wrote it, Depth Known. Uh, but Deep Gnome, t- Deep Gnome Terramancer is a card that I think I just haven't played against enough to really, like, the times I've played against it, it's been pretty solid. Um, I don't, I don't have one, but I've played, every time I've played against it, it's been pretty darn good. Uh, I, I do think I'd rank it higher if I'd seen more of it in play. Uh, but I have seen a lot of the Knight of the White Orchids and the Loyal Warhounds. I think it lines up nicely with what Mono White does and that it leaves a body. Uh, and then on top of that, it gets you a land. And specifically, Knight getting you any kind of planes card is really good. Archaeomancers is kind of just okay. It, it's, it's on there. Like, I, I, I think Deep Gnome would actually be ranked higher if I just played against it more and gotten more games in against it. Yeah. Yeah, there is a problem that we just don't have access to uh, a Deep Gnome or Archaeo Mansion's map on Magic Online. And if that's where we get most of our games in, we just won't have a lot of playtesting with them. But I can at least say uh, that I really I really like Deep Gnome. So for my list, it's almost, almost like... I think it's... Yeah, it's literally the exact same as Phil. I have Smothering Tithe at, at number one. Number two, Deep Gnome Terramancer. Uh, three is Knight of the White Orchid. Four, Archaeomancer's Map and Loyal Warhound. No, no new cards. Uh, I think we're all pretty unanimous on, uh, what our top five picks were. Uh, it's just the ordering of them. Um, I do have, uh, some games with Archaeomancer's Map and Deep Gnome Terramancer. I will say I'm absolutely floored by Deep Gnome Terramancer. I think it's like the second best ramp card after Smothering Tide. And like, like, uh, people have said already that it doesn't suffer from the catch-up mechanic of other white ramp cards like Knight of the White Orchid. Like, if you ramp too much, uh, you can just shut off your 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 land ramp, your other catch-up cards, which kind of sucks. Makes it a little bit inconsistent. Whereas Deep Gnome Terramancer, it's inconsistent because you have to wait for your opponent to do something. But 
it's so easy, especially if there's like any green player at the table, you're going to trigger it so much. And then you can just find yourself ahead on lands over the green players, especially if people are playing a lot of fetch lands and stuff. So I rank it very highly. Archaeomancer's map also not available on Magic Online, but oh man. I feel like it's it's basically burgeoning, but uh, you pay two extra mana, but you get two lanes uh, into your hand, guaranteed. So even if you're not ramping with it, you're still getting two lanes. It's like a poor man's divination, but the upside, the downside is poor man's divination is a low low end. The high end is you ramp out a lot, which is also really nice. So yeah, I, uh, I yeah. I'm surprised that. Uh, that some people have Archaeomancer's map below some of the catch-up cards. Like, the way I see it is, like, Smothering Tithe is way by itself in number one. Deep Known is clearly number two in its own tier. And then I would say Archaeomancer's map should rank above Knight of the White Orchid and Loyal Warhounds just because the floor is okay. Like, the floor is, I get two lands. I drew two cards. Yes, it's not ramping me, but I'm doing something. When the floor on Knight of the White Orchid and Loyal Warhounds, like... Oh, it's so painfully low. You're not going to convince me that, uh, that getting a 2-2 two, two or getting a 3-1 is just, like, exciting in a game of Commander. Like, I know you could put an equipment on it or a skull clamp it or something, but still, like, ugh. So I I don't know. I feel like cards that do something, when it comes to white, cards that do something every time have got to gotta have more value than cards that are just, like, sometimes I'm good and sometimes I am the worst card in your deck. I mean, but, like, I, I think I value the body more. I think that's the difference. Archaeomancer's map... I think is not anything exciting otherwise. I mean, you get the two planes no matter what, which is nice. But I, I think I'd in a mono, like if I'm thinking mono white, like that kind of game plan, I think the bodies matter more. Ah, they're such bad bodies though. <laughs> they're but, like the but, lowest tier of bodies. <laughs> they, well, okay. Knight is, I think respectable. Uh, Loyal Warhound, the body's not great. That's obviously why I rank it lower. But at the same time, I think mono white doesn't care if it's just a one, one. So just having like, anybody makes it yeah. worth it. Usually. I, I also, I really value, I'm, I'm addicted to the turn two Night of the White Orchid ramp. It's essentially a three visit because it gets any planes and puts it onto Battlefield untapped. And it sets you up for playing like a four drop on turn three. So the, uh, the fact that it's a turn two ramp card is really important to me. It's only not a turn two ramp card if you went first in the game. But that's only a 25% chance. Um, we, I mean, I, that does suck when it happens, obviously. Mm. But I don't know. I, I always get excited when I see Night of the White Orchid in my opener. Like, this is a, I, I've uh. had so many good experiences with it that I rank it pretty high. And I do like that it equips, you can just hold the sword or whatever really easily on it. And it is a body, so you stop early aggression a little bit. So, I don't know. The map's very good. I don't know. It's between the two. I know they're both... I, I think they're both better than Little Warhound, that's for sure. But, like, which one is better than the other? I don't know. I think the White Knight is a little bit better, but meh. It reminds me of Abriel Grazer a little bit, where, yeah, if you slam it on turn two and you're not playing first, like, life is really good. But when you peel it yeah. on turn eight, when you're hoping to, like, draw some cards or wrap the board, you're very sad, usually. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just gives you two lands. lands. It gives you two, two basic lands. 
It thins the deck. Come on now. Y'all underestimate. I'm surprised Prim doesn't have <laughs> that do, number one. I do like that. <laughs> number but one overall for deck thinning. Can't block an attack the deck. <laughs> So we're basically like, we're just nitpicking at this point, like which yeah. one we would say is better or worse. But like, it is, it is interesting to note that we all pick the same five cards, right? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I guess, I guess because we went through it so fast. Uh, Seth, you did mention you wanted to have like Dowsing Dagger as as a white card. I guess this would be a good time to mention it. I initially had Dowsing Dagger on the argument that it's way better in white than most colors because white is the the color of equipment and the color of ways to find equipment and the color of cheap creatures. I -hmm. wouldn't just jam Dowsing... uh, Richard would, but I wouldn't just jam Dowsing Dagger in any random green deck or any random black deck or blue deck. But a random white deck, it just tends to really work with what your white decks are going to be doing. So I think that equipment ramp goes way up in value. I would say, personally, behind probably Deep Known Terramancer, I think Smothering Tide Deep Deep Known Terramancer are really, really good. Below that, that's where you would start to have dowsing daggers sort of hearth and homes uh sort of the animus various equipment that like when you attack you tutor it out or when you hit combat damage you tutor out a land dowsing dagger flips into a land that makes three mana so i think in in mono white in specific those cards go way up in value compared to the rest of the colors but it is true that they aren't technically white cards they are really colorless cards then you in the weird situation where if we're not counting like soul rings which is obviously maybe even better than smothering tithe in your mono white deck should we really count cards like that but they are very strong uh, because of white's equipment theme i mean that's fair it's like honorary white cards yeah they're, they're not i run them in basically white, but yeah I still run them in basically any non-green deck because I, 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 I'm, I'm with Richard on that, so they're very, very powerful. Um, but you're right, the white has specifically a lot of tutoring for equipments and can equip uh, equipments for free, too, with stuff like Arden and, and Knight of uh, Pure Steel Paladin and stuff like that. So there is additional synergy there in white that other colors don't really have as much. Um, but yeah, we'll be moving on from white to blue, and we actually have a little bit more uh, differences here. So, Phil, let's start with you. What's your list from, from one to five? So, first of all, I want to mention that the color that is most reliant on playing um, ramp artifacts, like Mana Rocks, is definitely blue. Like, whenever I build a blue deck, I first thing I do is load up with two mana, mana Rocks. So, just... Keep that in mind because the rest of the blue options for ramp are pretty slim. So at number one, we have high tide. I think the only like ritual slash ramp spell most people think of in blue, it's for one blue mana. It says until end of turn, whenever a player taps in in an island for mana, that player adds two to their mana pools, uh, two, a second blue to their mana pool. So it doubles up your islands for a turn which to me is the most guaranteed and big way to ramp in blue like when i when you want to cheat out a big kraken or something that's probably the way to go besides mana rocks then we got a yeah you can see that ramp is hard in blue we got on number two we got mana drain a counter spell that gives you the mana cost of the spell uh, in your next upkeep as colorless mana, and uh, your next upkeep, next main phase. Um, so you 
pretty much steal the mana costs for a spell to ramp with it. It's very strong, but it's reliant on you having open mana countering something. It's like the whole counter aspect doesn't really make it. Like you really don't want to use it for ramping as much as you want to use it for countering, I guess. Unless you're loaded up with other counter spells in your deck, then you can just fire it off to to ramp. The Krim uh, special. Yeah, <laughs> thinking of Krim, you would probably think, well, that's the best value, and I got 10 more counter spells. I yeah, usually exactly. Run, like, I just, I just, do I need the mana for this one or yeah. not? If, if yes, <laughs> I'll drain it. If not, I'll use another one. Counter spell <laughs> 52. Three. We have Baral Chief of Compliance, Ethereum Sculptor, and other effects that make certain card types cheaper. I just grouped them together here. A Baral and Ethereum Sculptor, both two mana, one and a blue. One makes uh, instant and sorceries cost less. The Ethereum Sculptor makes artifacts cost less. It's technically ramp. You pretty much get a discount on any any uh, everything, but you have to build your deck around it, which... With these two types, like instant sorceries and artifacts, that's usually a blue thing, so they work pretty well in blue, but they don't necessarily... Yeah, I mean, it's it makes everything cheaper. I guess that's also ramp, I mean, but it's not te- as... <clears throat> Technically, it's supply limit now, by the way, Phil. Just so, just so you know, it's... Uh... Yeah, oh. Ethereum Sculptor is an archaic turn. Uh, it's it's now Supply Llama. Oh, because oh, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for kids. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? Such a weird choice for this yeah. card. Yeah. Fortnite <laughs> is uh is, is here now, Phil. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Phil. Keep oh up God, with the times, Phil. <laughs> okay. At number four, we got a card that I actually play a lot in blue decks. Not saying that this is a good ram spell. It's just what you have to do in blue. <laughs> It's Midnight Clock. Uh, it's a three-mana mana rock that gets an hour counter at, at the beginning of each counter upkeep, and then you get a wheel effect once it has 12 counters on it. So you pick up your graveyard and hand shuffle it into your library and draw seven new cards. This one is... While it works pretty well in Commander because there's a lot of upkeeps, you have to make sure that you're actually playing your cards in your hand before this happens. Like, Krim would probably not like this card too much if he I love keeps up card. mana and would... Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I just, But sometimes I feel like the Midnight Clock is working against me, and I think, oh, I gotta make sure I cast my spells before yeah, I wheel. Yeah, gotta out my hand. Please, yeah, I never get to wheel I'm on the, the clock. clock. <laughs> <laughs> it always gets blown but up. That's a, that's a pretty good problem to have, though. Like, a wheel is usually good for you. And if not, at least you drew seven cards. <laughs> the problem with the card is that it's cost three mana, which I, I like my mana rocks to cost two mana, but you can't be picky in blue. And uh, talking about not being picky, I never played this card, and if it doesn't have extra synergies, I probably never will, but it I guess it rams. Dreamscape Artists. It's a two mana, one one that lets you pay three mana, discard a card, sacrifice a land... Search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So you pretty much cast a harrow without casting a spell. It's a spell shaper. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much land ramp, but it's at a very clunky cost and body. So 
I guess it's the only way to ramp man like lands in blue, which is very unique and it I think it is. I think it might I don't, be. No, it I, don't, I don't think it's list. that steep of a cost is what I mean. Oh. Yeah, it's a harrow, right? Uh, but you have to I don't know, I I can't really imagine. It's a this it's being a harrow that you spent two cards on and then you need haste or else you have to wait an entire turn cycle to activate it and you right. spent two extra mana to cast your two card hero that has some sickness want to discard well that, if you want to discard a card oh yeah okay so if you if you can make any use of this ability besides just saying oh i want to ramp by one like if you make use of the card discarding or sacrificing a land which is pretty unusual in blue but hey you do you if that's the right card for you that's a pretty unique one and it ramps <clears throat> that's number five number six would be even worse probably i don't even know uh gotta say though looking at the other cards here on these lists i try to rank my cards by the ramp factor like there's other cards that technically ramp or accelerate you but they do other things way better yeah, to be fair mana drain is on the line as well but it ramps so hard that it's good again but otherwise i'd, I'd probably yeah, Mana Drain is already on the line, but it's so good that I had to include it here. Yeah, that's my top five. All right. Uh, my my list is, uh, of course, going to have Mana Drain number one. Uh, that's the best thing that can, like, ramp in, in the most blue play style possible. And then Mana Tide, I mean, High Tide is another good one, but I feel like very rarely am I ever just High Tiding. It's usually when I'm about to go off. So... Some t- I, I, I put it on here because it is a very powerful spell, but oftentimes I feel like this isn't ramp. It's just I'm going to go off. It's a combo piece. Um, but then we get into Fairy Temporal Archmage, which is four blue-blue. Uh, it's the Planeswalker one where the plus one, you look at a car- the top two cards, you put one in the hand, uh, pitch the other. But then the minus is uh, minus one on Teferi, and it's untap four permanents. So if this resolves, you can just untap four. So you played this for what it could be like two mana, and then every turn after that, you get to just start really pulling far ahead with untapping of four lands. This card is an amazing Planeswalker, uh, and, and, and it, obviously it's six mana, so it has to be. Of course, the ultimate is that you get an emblem where you can activate your Planeswalkers at instant speed. Uh, which which is very good, but like yeah, like the main thing about this is that you get to untap four permanents, and usually this is also a part of a combo. Uh, like if you're able to like double the activation of planeswalkers, you flicker this or something, and then you get to just kind of infinitely keep untapping four mana. But I think this is just a great powerful card on its own as a minus one untap four permanents. So uh, probably one of the best things that you could probably do in blue because it's also still a Planeswalker. It's card advantage. It's not just uh, like a dreamscape artist, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of everything all in one. So I, I love this, and it, it's rare for blue to have uh, like a, a ramping effect like that. So then I, of course, have dreamscape artist because it is technically ramping. It is technically ramping, okay? Now, I do think that the discard a card, you know, then you sack a land. It is a harrow. Uh, it, it comes at, at a cost, but it does ramp, and some decks can't afford to throw away a land. I, it is technically, I mean, 
It is technically real. I'm just saying. Is this how low? Is this how low we have to go? Blue has to dig this a little like, deeper. This Blue is the fourth a best deeper. slot. Look, really? not, not, know not everything has <laughs> cultivate. All right, this is the next thing that that Blue has, and then I mean, are like, we it's, just desperate? It's not great, I'll admit. It's pretty awful when you look at it, but it is ramp and in corner pockets, very corner pocket situations. All right. Yes, it does what you want it to do. And then I respect you, all right? I'm just judging you silently. Look, look, I get it. I get it. It's not the best. But maybe this the next card should have been ranked higher, but this one is technically more niche because then blue has a lot of niche uh, uh, mana dorks, if you would, uh, like like you have the ones that add mana towards artifacts and or instants and sorcery spells. But uh, specifically, the card I've got on here is Grand Architect. One blue, blue. Other blue creatures you get. Uh, other mm-hmm. blue creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Pay a blue target artifact creature becomes blue until end of turn. And then tap an untapped blue creature you control. Add two colorless. Spend this mana only to cast or activate abilities of artifacts. So, this, a little more narrow, but if you are going to play any of the mana dorks, this is really good for it. And on top of that, it allows your, like, little mini blue dorks to just play your, like, arcane signets and all of that. So, this also has an anthem. So, it's not, it's not, like, just an awful mana dork. It does Mm -hmm. other things on top of it. So, usually turning an artifact creature into blue can be relevant, uh, as you get to turn some uh, like something into a blue color, which makes it so that you could, I don't know, give it protection from blue or something like that. Or you never know. You never know. I mean, so, it turns it's it's basically lets you turn your artifact creatures for one blue, turn them into mana dorks that net you one colorless, two, right? You're right. turning one blue into two colorless. Right. So that's so good. You can, and then you can pump your team with this look blue's gotta dig deep all right that, that's that's all i'm saying blue's gotta dig real deep all right fair 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 uh seth um do you what do you got i, I see a card i see a card it's fine okay wait am i supposed to be going through my list i'm so confused wait fine i'll go for my list fine 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 i'll go through my list we'll keep the order uh okay top mana drain um i agree with Krim here i the fact this card is just silly it's a silly card the fact that you get like a straight up uh no conditions counter spell you counter something and chances are in commander the, the thing you want to be countering is something usually expensive right like you're not usually going to be being like snap countering uh, a two drop unless it's dockside but i mean dockside is its own thing but like you know the big haymakers that people are trying to go for are going to be like five mana six mana maybe even seven mana and you snap that off not only do you deny them that spell but then you get that huge ramp potential on next turn and i think this card is yeah really good like obviously it's just it's always good like even if you get a two drop you know if the two drop was worth countering then you countered it and then you get a little bit of ramp, but like you always get some ramp, and you can just use it to ramp you heavier. Like you could just ignore two drops and then snap it off on any five drops somebody's casting, and you're good. And then high tide, you have to be very heavy on blue, obviously because you need the islands for it to be good. But basically, if you have like three islands on the battlefield, you you spend one blue mana to high tide. You're going up at least like what, like four, uh, two mana, uh, possibly much more. 
Um, so I think High Tide's very good. Um, then I got a card that is going to make people very salty. Uh, it's Urza High, Lord High Artificer, just like Krim said with Grand Architect. Um, and, and also how Phil said about, like, sometimes blue is really good at ramping towards specific things, and those specific things are instants and sorceries, and, uh, or, uh, or artifacts. Those are the two things that blue is actually good at. And guess what? Urza is really good at doing that too. So for people who don't know what Urza is, um, I'm so sorry for introducing you to this, um, or your playgroup rather. This is a four mana human artificer, legendary creature, one four. When it enters the battlefield, you make a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token that's, uh, I guess plus one balls for each artifact you control. But the most important thing for this, uh, particular card is you can tap an untapped creature you control to add one blue mana. And uh, you can pay five mana to shuffle your library, exit a top card uh, until end of turn. You may play that card without paying its mana cost. We're just going to ignore the fact that it makes like a huge token beater and the fact that it turns into card advantage. Um, and just focus on the, the fact that you have a four drop that lets you tap all your untapped artifacts for blue. So it comes with, a, with an artifact. So you are immediately making one blue off this every single turn. Um, you can tap your, your treasures which normally have to sacrifice themselves for mana. No, you can just tap them for blue. Uh, your clues, tap them for blue. Your food tokens, tap them for blue. Um, blue is also really good, or artifacts are really good at making artifact tokens, like one ones and stuff, like your Psy Master Thopterist, your Efficient Construction, your Mirrored and Besieged, all these things that are like whenever you cast an artifact, you make a 1-1 one, one artifact creature token. Those all tap for blue now. It's like Grand Architect, but what if Grand Architect was made in in 2020? Um, so that's basically the card. I think it's very strong. Um, oh, and then I have one. <laughs> it's so much better than Grand Architect because the mana can be spent on anything. Like that's a big upside to Urza. Like it's not you can only spend the mana on artifacts. You yeah. need artifacts to make mana, but you can cast counter spells, instant sorceries. Like that's that's the huge upside. I think. It's also not limited to creatures either. You can just tap any artifact. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, your food, your clue, your treasures. <laughs> it's a silly card. <laughs> and then it's, it's also a finisher because your construct punches people in the face and you can spend <laughs> all that mana on the card advantage edge and then staple to it. It's just a silly. Who? Why? I actively yeah, but... try to forget about Urza. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, God. Or, or, yeah, I would probably put that over Grand Architect, but... Yes. Yeah. I think the downside is like the only downside is like if you're playing it for just the ramp, like people will try to kill you immediately and justified, honestly. So and it, it is justified some... usually. Is, yeah, usually is Urza is Urza like gonna do that from the ninety nine? I know if you play Urza as your commander, I'm gonna try to kill you. But if you just randomly jam it in a blue deck, is that still so scary? Look, I see I, what you're I trying have, to do, yeah. and I am gonna kill you. <laughs> I, I, I I have not put it in my Shurikai Mech Titan deck because I'm afraid that I'm just gonna get hated out for good reason. Don't you but like, like the main the main yeah, exactly. Tomer, there yeah. is a reason. There is a reason. What, what yeah, very good. <laughs> the reason being is that even if it is like example, if I just play an Edgar Markov in my ninety nine, <laughs> people will still punch me because I'm playing an Edgar Markov and the bad memories of a commander version yeah. of Edgar Markov. The reason is there is no reason other than that I just don't want to see that card anymore. Uh yeah, I get get the same problem in Lonis. Like I don't own an Orza, that's uh, it's also pretty expensive, and I definitely need the old border one. But yeah, I'm pretty scared in Lonis that first of all I go infinite pretty much right away. 
and uh, people will also really try to kill me because of yeah his other abilities are just absurd so i'd prefer jahira for example which pretty much does the super slim version of this tokens you control tap for green which is way fairer uh it doesn't go get around haste and stuff Urza is just absurd be beyond the ramping part it's just it didn't make my list but uh, it probably should it's better than dreamscape artist i guess but it's <laughs> yeah, dreamscape it's this is so okay much. you all put your dreamscape artists on the top five yeah. just snubbing <laughs> urza on the way well, technically uh, it is I, ramp i have a rant on dreamscape artists there's some I'm diehard dreamscape artists out there right there's some diehard ones ever since like 2011 when i've been bad i've been bad mouthing this 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 card for over a decade now so yes, if you have some like graveyard synergy slash discard synergy, then an overcasted discard outlet might be what you're looking for if you really want to play low powered. But if you're like, hey, this is a harrow, all right, harrow is what this card does. You have to discard a card, well, you have to sacrifice a land and you go up two lands and it costs one card and it's instant speed. This is like, imagine if harrow required you to discard a card and sacrifice a land. And it had, Banger. like, suspend Love one, it. and it could be countered by just, like, a, somebody spending a removal spell or a board wipe, incidentally. Like, this card is so much worse than Hero. Yeah, it's not like Hero's, like... Removal I mean, this, who's going to remove this? I would just to, just to see the, the light of hope in your, in your eyes fade. They never Funny. had the light to begin with. They're casting Dreamscape <laughs> artists. Casting dreamscape so you can't artists. snuff out that, that light, son. Uh, <laughs> like, if you're building around it, maybe. But no. Actually, no. I, with, with Harrow, you're discarding the Harrow. So I think it literally is Harrow in terms of, like, card mm-hmm. advantage. Because you are spending a card when you cast the Harrow. You're down this one card in your light. hand. It is no, no, because no. This requires you to discard a card, discard a card, and sacrifice a land to get the hero effect. Yeah, but but if you cast hero, you're throwing a card away from your hand into the graveyard. It's the hero. But Dreamscape is a card itself. But it's on battlefield. But it's on the. But it's a one-two. Like, well, okay, I have it on the battlefield. That's a liability. One-two. And if I got it, it's a trash card. I oh, everyone everyone was... I'm sorry. I almost gave it too much credit. <laughs> it's a was... liability on the battlefield. If only it was an instant. If this was like straight up a color shifted hero, I would be like, this card's actually pretty gas. Oh yeah. I would put, I would put it on my top five even if it was just straight up color shifted hero. Instant, yeah. I do want to point out that everyone was going crazy over Knight of the White Overcoat being a two-two. Oh, it's body. Oh, it's so good. And then it comes. Wait, to, the two-two like, dreamscape artist. Holy dreamscape artist. One-two. <laughs> I will that. say that's underpowered. If it, <laughs> it's if it's so the mono white body matters more in mono white. All right, I'm just saying. But also, this is ETB hero. Ugh, I'd be on, I mean, on board. Dreamscape artist slaps. isn't. It's not good. But blues but, ramp isn't good. So I don't think it's. I have it on my my list. As you well, have it on your like, list too. At least not, you have Urza. But there's not good op. There's not a lot of good options, especially if you're trying to avoid things that aren't generically ramp like blue has some options like the the brawls and stuff that ramp for certain things but if you just want stuff that can go in any deck blue has not much outside of mana rocks does not uh i guess i guess i'll finish it by having one that you can put in any deck but it's also contentious in its own way uh thieving skydiver i consider this ramp but it is definitely 
definitely I can I can totally understand if people would not classify it as ramp. Thieving Skydiver, two mana, Merfolk Rogue, Kicker, um, Kicker can't be, uh, Kicker X, X can't be zero, Flying. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with mana value X or less. If that artifact is an equipment, attach it to Thieving Skydiver. So you have to spend at least three mana on this because, it, uh, if you want to kick it. Uh, but basically you can spend like three mana and then steal target player's Sol Ring. So you get a two one body with Flying, uh, you kick it for X equals one. And you steal somebody's soul ring, which is pretty amazing. You spend two mana, you steal somebody's uh, talisman or signets or anything. And since everybody's playing mana rocks, I've never had a situation where I have a thieving skydiver and no mana rock to steal. So I always just feel like I always steal a, a soul ring or I steal like a mana rock. Uh, sometimes I've even stolen, I think I've, I've stole uh, Richard's like dowsing dagger or something with this before. And he's done that to me before. So it's all good. It's all gravy but yeah it doesn't it doesn't it's not actually ramp but it is a way to ramp in it's not on on paper by itself it does not save ramp okay but in a real game of, of commander it does ramp so so dreamscape that, artists this is better than dreamscape artists are you kidding I mean, me i'm not here to God. argue if it is better like or not. 10 times better but PTB dreamscape artists is least ramp it's at least uh, garbage. That's what it is. But ramp. in but practice, I'm, in practice, by turn three or four, Thieving Skydiver can always be ramp if you want it to. The odds of like no yeah. one having a mana rock to steal by the time you can kick it is like so low. And in practice, Dreamscape Artist is going to be dead before it activates. <laughs> Who's killing? No, it? I'm no just one's curious. Kill. I'm, I'm, kill I'm very curious. If my someone spike saw field hazard. Artist. I'm going <laughs> to kill a spike field hazard. Sort of message. And then I'm just gonna just to, to finish it off with me. Font of Magic, this is just like Baral, except it's a new enchantment, and That's I've been bad. really impressed by it. Uh four mana enchantment, instant sorcery spells cost one less to cast for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. So unlike Baral, this is not like a two drop that you just play before a commander and you get value. You have to play your commander first, or else it doesn't do anything. But this is like really, really good in spell slinger decks that have like a low cost commander like Baral or his partners or something like that so I've just been impressed by it but yeah it's not like way above Baral or anything I just wanted to mention it but yeah uh, enough about my huh there's also a bunch of those right Arcane yeah. Melee and the Sanctum. there's a Curious bunch of stuff in that range that does similar does similar things but except yeah. for I think some of them do more I think Font of Magic's pretty bad there's I like arcade melee. Too, but... It makes all instances <sighs> sorceries, but it's like five mana and shit. But Jace's Sanctum makes... at least gives you, or one of them allows you scry to scry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jace's Sanctum lets you scry as you cast stuff. But I mean, the upside of Fauna Magic, I guess, is if you cast your commander a bunch, it could be like a three mana discount or a four mana discount. So. Anyway, my list, uh, Mana Drain number one, Thieving Skydiver number two, Urza number three, High Tide number four, Dreamscape Artist number five, um... I'm not super impressed with High Tide based, I, like, Blue's options are so narrow, but for kind of the reasons Kurt mentioned before, like, it's hard for me to think of it as a ramp spell. Normally, the only time I play it is when I'm trying to do something unfair and, like, storm off or something. It's not a card I just, like, think, oh, I got a bunch of islands, so I'm in a High Tide. Maybe I should, I don't know, maybe, do you guys play it that way? Do you just, like, be like, I'm a mono blue deck, I might as well High Tide, and maybe it'll do something. Or are you trying to do specific, like, big turn, time spiral, untap my lands, like shenanigans if you're going to be playing it i'm definitely trying to like chain off like a bunch of spells of yeah. fire like maybe like i don't have the win but i'm about to lose so i'm going to just cast high tide to fish for my win con right 
only in mono blue though, right? The only time I played High Tide was in Garuda, and which is not mono blue, by the way, but there I noticed the downside. And in Jinga Texas, which is actually a good place for it because it costs seven mana. Uh, but in Garuda, I'm not known for playing much basic lands or islands. Um, yeah, that really hurts. Make sure you have actual islands in your deck if you cast uh, High Tide. But if you have all islands and play it on turn like five and get eight, cast an eight drop, that's that's ramp right there. I mean, it's more ramp than Thieving Skydiver, I'd say. I mean, Although I'm not going to tell anybody not to play Thieving to, Skydiver. But to be uh, fair, High Tide, like in, mono, like in mono blue decks, they usually have like Archaeomancers, Mystic Sanctuary. So I guess you can use it as a quick burst. Um, just and then with the plan of buying it back later. But if someone eats your yard up, that's gonna feel pretty bad. I think it also exemplifies just how bad Blue's ramp is because there's actually like a black version called Bubbling Muck that like no one ever thinks about or talks about and is definitely not any of our lists. So we all have like high tide pretty high in our blue list and it would not even be in the conversation if it was in another color honestly with blue mana drain and thieving skydiver are really the only two cards that i can really say with a straight face that i would play in most blue decks <laughs> once you get beyond that it's like oh in this specific deck i might play this card or this specific deck but i think those are the only two and then it's just mana rocks right like how yeah. many cards on your list would you just jam in a generic deck you don't have any theme or synergy like are there any that you play in blue outside of uh, Mana Drain in specific and maybe Skydiver? I mean, I, I, I would say Skydiver. Yeah, outside of Mana Drain, Skydiver, Teferi. Oh, Teferi really? Do you I just guess. jam that in a... Gen- oh, I don't play Teferi in generic decks. It doesn't I didn't die know too it much. Existed. I worry too much about it just dying because I'm going to... If I... Kind of like Urza, if someone plays that Teferi, my immediate thought is, okay, you're going to go infinite with it. So I need to kill you or kill Teferi. Because isn't that all that that Teferi normally does is go like Chain Veil Infinite or whatever? It can go Chain Veil Infinite, but it's also just a solid game like card in a like blue game plan, right? I'm able to now hold up Etherize or maybe Engulf the Shores, right? So... (sighs) Like, is it it perfectly untaps four mana? And that's assuming we're just untapping the islands, not, like, three mana rocks and an island. Because then some of those mana rocks could be, like, a mana crypt, a soul ring, or something like that, right? True. I, I think it's to try to kill you. It existed. It seems scary, but it's also expensive. Is this is six drop even considered ramp? Like, what are you ramping into? Another six drop? Uh, you no, well, so at that point, once you have six mana, I can now essentially have ten mana uh, on the next turn. Yeah. So you let me, uh, and then that's yeah. assuming that I don't have a way to activate his ability twice. <laughs> it's also very good with high tide. Yeah. It's also good with yeah. high tide. Yeah, sure. Popping off. Yeah, it seems well, a bit like the high tide thing where you use it to go off rather than what you would consider ramping. Yeah. But I mean, we're in blue here. It's like I, I mean, to yeah. Teferi is a good card though. Like it is something that you, that good, will yeah. ramp you. Uh, like if you need it, right? With additional mana. I play it in you a mono blue deck. It. I play it in a non blue deck. I mean, a non mono color deck. I play it in any deck that has blue, pretty much. If it if mm-hmm. I want planeswalkers, just because of how good that minus is. Is it on Magic Online? Yeah. Huh. Like yeah, I, just I a generic tried out blue deck. I think it's just Mana Drain and, and Thieving Skydiver for me. But I mean, like, if I'm in blue, like, aren't you al- almost always going to be, like, Spellslinger or Artifact? So those are the two primary blue themes. So 
then the mana discount stuff are pretty good. Or if you're an artifact, even better. You're just resetting it up and living, living high on life. Just the control color too, I guess. Mm. Like if you just want to draw go and counter all of everyone's things and make them sad. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, it's Crim never ramps. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's what I imagine Crim does with Teferi. Is you can play it and like actually cast stuff main phase and still drain. have your mana up for your yeah. for your counter spells. Yeah, that's precisely why I play it. <laughs> that's literally <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, uh, but we got to move on because we have three more colors to, to go on. Um, so Crim, kick it off of your list. Uh, right. What's your top five? So for black, I have Cabal Coffers, Kirik, Crick, um. Crypt gas. To, yeah, you have to read. You have to read oh, them yeah. out though. Cabal yeah. coffers, right? You all know this one. It you add a black for every swamp you control. Obviously, on its own, uh, it's usually not great. But if you have something like Urborg, Tomb of Yagmoth, then it just becomes this huge chunk of mana. Um, and then of course you have Crick, which is uh four, and then three Phyrexian black mana, so you can pay two life or tap black, and then all your black spells. Uh, you turn all the black pips into Phyrexian black pips. So you can pay two life. Uh, so example, Damnation would be two and two Phyrexian black. So it could be four life and two mana. So I consider that a huge discount. And then on top of that, every time you, it has lifelink and every time you cast a black spell, it gains a one, one counter. So you'll gain a lot of that life back. And then, uh, on top, they have Crypt Gas, Nurkana Revenant, which is, Kind of doing what you, like, you know, the Cabal Coffers thing does, but, you know, on a body instead. So every swamp now adds for, like, double bla- uh, two black mana. And then uh, you also have Dark Ritual, which is one mana instant, add th- uh, triple black. And then, uh, of course, you've got Pitiless Plunderer, and Re- like, which is a 1-4 whenever a creature dies. I believe, is it yours or your opponent? your opponent your, only okay. only your creatures yeah. with pitiless wonder yeah whenever your creature dies uh you get a treasure which is pretty easy in mono black because you have too many so many ways to like sacrifice your own things uh, oftentimes to your benefit um and then you have revel and riches now this one is whenever a creature uh an opponent has mm-hmm. yeah whenever a creature an opponent control dies you get a treasure so it's a five-man enchantment that's pretty solid uh, especially in like more of like hard control decks, it just kind of becomes a win control, uh, win like win con on its own. So many times you see just like where I'll play it, and then I'm just like in a board wipe tribal deck, and that'll right. usually get me there. Sometimes your opponent just board wipe, and you win the game on your upkeep. That, that yeah, also, that, who would I do like that? that. I, I like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess for for my list, it's is. The same cards, except for one difference. So I have Cryptgast and Nurkana Revenant on the top. I think Cryptgast is better than Revenant because Cryptgast is, is four, where Revenant is six. With Extort. And it has Extort. And it has Extort, yeah. So that, Extort that doesn't ramp, though. <clears throat> it doesn't, but it's a good way to like spend your ex- excess mana that Cryptgast is giving you, which is nice. Uh, I think Cabal Coffers, uh, Dark Ritual. I still run Dark Ritual in most, most black decks because just... You know, ramping out something two turns early is is nice, um, and then pitiless plunderer uh, in sacrifice decks. I think this card is very, very, very good. Like one of the best cards in a sacrifice deck. And then the last one, I put a question mark around it. I saw that 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 set also put it there, so I was like, yeah, I, I kind of agree. This is black market connections. It's a brand new card from uh, battle uh, battle for Baldur's Gate. Um, loading, looking. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, there it is. Uh, three mana, black enchantments. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, choose one or more. Uh, option one is create a treasure token, you lose one life. Option two, draw a card, you lose two life. And option three is create a three, two colors, shapeshifter creature token with changeling, you lose three life. So you can choose, uh, between, you know, you can choose up to one to three options. You can lose one life and just make a treasure, and that's your ramp each turn. Kind of slow. But the nice thing about it is that it comes with other abilities too. So you get to also be drawing a card, and you can make a body as well if you lose up to six life you get to do all three which is really sweet i don't think it's it's like the best ramp option in black but the fact that it has that flexibility makes it very very good and that's why i kind of put it here like i don't think it's like the best in the top five for black but like the flexibility is what puts it as like a a complete package for me but i also see that Seth has it too, so yes, I do. I do have it on my list as well. I, I also <clears throat> like the flexibility. I think that's really huge. I like cards that I am comfortable putting in most of my decks. That's kind of what I'm looking for. So for me, Cabal Coffers number one. Also, shout out to Magus of the Coffers, which I don't play nearly as much, but it's the same thing on a body. Uh, Crypt Guest, Arcana Revenant number two. I have Black Market Connections number three because I've just found that card to be really impressive. Pretty much every time I play it, in part because of the ramp, but in part because it does so much. Like, it's also a Frexian Arena. It's also making tokens. So it's a card I'm happy to play in pretty much any of my black decks. I have Dark Ritual at number four, although I feel kind of bad about it because I don't really play Dark Ritual. I don't think Dark Ritual is honestly good unless you're storming or something i don't just play it in black decks to be like oh one shot i got there a little bit quicker i don't like my ramp to be temporary unless i'm trying to like win the game the turn i cast it so i could see an argument for putting something else like maybe black market connections i think i play more often than dark ritual which is a five man enchantment when a creature dies it gets a counter and the beginning of your pre-combat main phase you get to add a black mana for each counter on it uh, i think i play that more than i actually play dark ritual and then i have revel and riches at number five which I learned <laughs> it's very easy to make a lot of treasures with that. As Tomer said, sometimes you wrath, sometimes your opponents wrath into it. But really in Commander, creatures die. Like, there's so many creatures dying, trading off in combat, dying to target removal, dying to sweepers. That Revel and Riches makes a lot of treasures in a typical Commander game. Even And then it might win you the game. But even if you're not trying to win the game, with it, the amount of mana that it makes, if you're playing a deck with a bunch of removal, I think is enough to have it on your uh, your top five list, at least for me. Hmm. So I have, I have a question about Revel and Riches. I always, I, I've never been too hot on it because I was, I was always afraid that like it kind of puts a target on your back because it says you win the game. We're like, oh no, he's gonna win the game off this card. And it's like, don't worry, I'm trying to use it as ramp. But it's like, no, you can win the game off it hypothetically. And it, it, I guess it does happen from time to time. But, like, if you are using it as ramp, I, I'm always afraid of that. Like, trying to use it fairly, quote-unquote. And there's another card that costs the same amount. It's older. Um, it used to be played a lot. But it's called Black Market. Just Black Market, not Black Market Connections. Also, 5-mana enchantment. And it says, whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter on it. And then at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add black for each charge counter on Black Market. So, if... So it basically does the same thing as the Revel Riches uh, mana make treasure, except it does it more efficiently because you, it gives you that mana every single time it's your pre-combat main phase. Whereas Revel Riches, like if one creature dies, you get one treasure, and then once you use that treasure, that's it. 
Whereas Black Market, you get one charge counter, and then every subsequent pre-combat main phase, you get that one mana. And so if, like, five thing dies, like, it will give you much more mana. And it doesn't have that you win the game clause. But isn't that better? I For, like, <sighs> if you're trying to put in a ramp slot, wouldn't you prefer Black Market over Revel and Riches? I mean, I, I, <sighs> I had Black Market uh, kind of as my number six card because it's mm. the same mana cost. But legitimately, I, I feel like the upside, though, is that if, you know, Revel gets removed... You have all the treasures still lying around, uh, so it's kind of. I actually prefer the treasures over the constant, uh, like mm. re-upping of the mana when it comes to black market. However, because like you know, I assume that all these things are getting removed anyway, somehow, some way, because there's so much uh, incidental like artifact enchantment hate attached to cards now. So mm-hmm. I would rather have a treasure kind of sit there and and until I need it. Like absolutely need it. Whereas this is like all in on the like the black market card. And on top of that, creatures dying, you getting treasures, and you just happen to also have a, a way to win the game on top of it. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I think the win the game I consider an upside. Like yeah. I, I'm sure it draws some amount of hate, but it just seems so easy in Commander for there to be ten creatures on the battlefield and a single wrath to turn this into almost a two-card combo in a lot of scenarios where it's especially in black which is so good at late game ramping and making big amounts of mana once the game gets going it's pretty practical to like play that and also follow it up with a damnation or a toxic deluge and just be like all right your board is swept i have more than 10 treasures deal with me if you can before it comes back around to me or you're all dead and i just wrath your board too so how are you gonna deal with me so i i like it i like the the upside of it i think even though i also like i mentioned replacing dark ritual with black market because i'm not a big i'm not a big dark Mm. ritual fan okay the other question i had was kirik have we all been sleeping on kirik because i think krim is the only one i just forgot about it did anybody ever see it in a 99 though I've only yeah. played it as a commander. As a commander, it's like a stormy combo deck. Like you yeah, like burn through your deck. Yeah, I but have a I've hard time in '99. I have a hard time envisioning playing it as just a ramp spell. Like, is it worth it? You I mean, to, so it's seven mana. Well, so it's four mana. I guess four mana. And I've six never life. paid seven mana for the card. I, <laughs> I, I promise you that. <laughs> But then like, you also have to, yeah, it's you got to untap with it, right? Or you got to be able to cast a bunch of spells right away, and the life really adds up. I can see like building around it is your commander, but I don't know. I've I've never just jammed it in a black deck and been like, oh, this is gonna this is gonna be one of my ramp spells. I don't. Do you play it that way, Krim? Do you just yeah. like toss it in a black deck and it works out? Uh, my my actual uh, mono black deck that I have, it's well. First off, I've played it in the ninety nine. I've played it as the commander. Uh, as the commander, I often just draw too much hate uh, because of the storm variant, even though my deck was just like demons. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I moved it into the 99 instead, and it's really good there too. So I, I've just thoroughly enjoyed it, like being able to like, whether it's my demon deck or just my mono black like removal tribal deck, you know, being able to play a Phyrexian Obliterator for free, uh, a Bolus Citadel for three mana. Like, it's it's pretty massive. And the life gain, you can get a lot of the life back. You also play with, like, the, the six mana. If When you play it as a commander, I, pl- I, I have a fair Kyrick, and it's just, it's the mythic from Zendikar. And it's where landfall, like, you reset your life total to the life you had at a point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Eternal Vessel. 
So, yeah. Uh, like, you just pay a ton of life, you eternal vessel, and you're back at it again. So, I don't know. And, and all I'm doing is casting, like, big flying demons, and that's it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you build around it, that kind of makes sense. But if I, ah, I don't know, I would be scared about just jamming it in a random black deck that I was going to kill myself <laughs> in pretty pretty quickly. Except, yeah, except I, mean, I, I feel like that's because I've seen you kill yourself with greed. That like as oh. a card greed, um, <laughs> yeah. I fully believe that yes, you will kill yourself <laughs> with this. You also will take six off the black market connections every yeah. single turn. Oh, right. If, if I'm going to kill myself, that it's going to be drawing cards though. That's 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 the thing. This does technically not draw me. It helps <laughs> you cast your card draw spells. You, you only need to pay one mana for greed. You just pay four life oh each God. time. Yeah, cool. I can cast my greed and Erebos off of it. Because Kyrick, for those that don't know, also allow it takes the the puts. It changes the black pips and activated abilities as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you're paying four for each greed activation. You would, for... pay, you would pay that every time. What are, what are you talking about? You know you would. <clears throat> I might have to pick me up some Eternity Vessels, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I never considered in my Toshiro deck. I, I assume this card is only for mono black, right? Like Because you yeah. really need yeah. stuff with black peeps, pips and the peeps. <laughs> black yeah. pips and the... Uh, but yeah, maybe I should give it a shot in Toshiro. It is a mono black deck. I never considered it before. So yeah, like the the mana reduction is is huge. I would rather pay the X amount of life, right? Even just one black pip off is huge. It makes things mm-hmm. castable off Soul Ring. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like it. Not bad. Um. All right, we'll move on from black to red, and uh, but uh, it's my turn. I think. Yeah, it's me. Um, so for red cards, um, surprise to no one, Dockside Extortionist, two mana, uh, make ETB, um, when it enters a battlefield, you make a treasure for every single artifact and enchantment that your opponents control. Um, so it's typically making anywhere between four and like 10 or higher treasure for two mana, which I hear is pretty good. And then if you blink it or bounce it or reanimate it or anything with it, it combos with a ham sandwich as well. But if you're not doing all that, it's still one of the best ram cards in the game because fake two meta making like Ted is pretty good. Uh, um, so yeah, that, that, that's a, that's probably on top of everybody list, list, but the, my, the second one that I like way more is Curse of Opulence. I've been uh, the number one Curse of Opulence fan since it was released. Um, it's one red for an enchantment or a curse. Enchant player, hopefully richer because he gets extra salty about it. Um, whenever enchanted player is attacked, create a gold token. Each opponent attacking that player does the same. So you, whenever you attack that enchanted poor, poor soul uh, for one mana, you make a gold token. Um, so you feel like enchant it and then immediately attack and you get your monies back already and then also whenever your opponents attack that poor person um they get a gold so they're incentivized to do it but you also get a gold and boy howdy is it's easy at least in my experience um and i played in every red deck in my experience to get other people to just attack the poor enchanted person because they get a gold and then you're benefiting more and also hey they're not attacking you because if they attack you, they don't get a gold. They have to attack the person. So it's like also redirecting damage in a sneaky way and also making the enchanted person miserable, which 
I'm I'm almost I'm kind of turning into a crim a little bit. It kind of brings <laughs> it sparks joy a little bit. Uh, I mean, nice. I feel a little bit dirty. Commander players will do anything for a, a single gold. treasure. That's one thing we've yeah. learned. Or yeah, a gold token. But well, that's one thing we've learned. So it really does add up, and you get so much man out of it for it's one mana cost. For one mana. Um. So I love this. And then the next one, uh, Jessica's will, which is also just you know Jessica's will. Um. Basically, it's a three mana uh sorcery. Um, you can choose two, one of two modes, and if you have your commander out, when you cast a spell, you could choose both. So mode number one is you add red for each card in target opponent's hand. Um, and the second mode is exile top three cards of your library. You may play them this turn. So either it's card advantage or it's ramp. Um, and with your commander out, it's usually both. So your opponents have to have, you have to have one opponent with four or more cards in hand for you to net red off this. Uh, but, you know, if they have a full seven or something like that, or even more, like a thought vessel out, uh, this becomes pretty nice ramp. But the, the main thing is the, 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 that it does both. Um, and then Mana Geyser, which is the big, big chungus of rituals. Um, you use five mana, mm-hmm. and uh, you add one red for each tap land your opponents control. You have three opponents. So if they all have, like, six lands that are tapped, you make 18 mana. Just bada-bing, bada-boom, and you're like, good. Um, and then finally... Stormkill Artist, aka like the red creature that you must kill on site, uh, is a four mana uh, dwarfy dwarf. And what it does is it says whenever you, it has magecraft, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, you make a treasure token. Um, so you just, if you're in a spellslinger deck, this is going to be your number one uh, mana generator aka treasure generator also it gets plus one plus oh for every single artifact you control so you could also just randomly one-shot people if they don't have a blocker up um so yeah that's that is my list uh but seth what what do you got for us you got some spicy different choices i I got a couple differences a couple differences so dockside number one uh far and away that's clear mana geyser number two i don't know if we're biased a little bit by playing magic online where people tend to tap out more than in paper but it seems like every time i see a mana geyser it's making like 20 mana and just like so incredibly powerful uh next i have curse of opulence tomar already talked about that one uh people will do anything to make a single gold token uh number four Nihab the eternal i think is a pretty powerful red ram spell a five mana four six has a flick three which doesn't really matter it's a zombie minotaur warrior the big deal is at the beginning of your post-combat main phase you make a red mana for each one life that your opponents have lost this turn so if you can get in a little bit of damage sling some spells attack with your creatures burn your opponents a bit this can make a lot of mana and the thing i like about nehab is it's repeatable red is really really good at this burst mana but that mana goes away uh, jessica's will really strong card i had it on my nis- uh, list initially but really i play that as much for card draw as I do to be a ramp spell and as far as actually ramping like it's okay but it's a one shot that's maybe making three extra mana most of the time something like that so it's good but I don't know it's hard for me to think of it as a pure ramp spell Neob I like that you can do it every turn and then last I don't know if this is cheating or not it's technically a colorless card but this colorless card refers very specifically to red stuff so you can't really play it in a non-red deck and that card's gauntlet of might which is a four mana artifact that says all red creatures get plus one plus one and all mountains tap for an extra red mana so essentially this is your cryptgast for a mono red deck doing the same thing that cryptgast does for swamps it just comes on in artifact the problem is 
its reserve list and the cheapest version that is not a proxy is like $1,300 or something at the moment. So uh, it is a very, very expensive, inaccessible card in paper. But it is, I love mana doublers. I think mana doublers are some of the most powerful ramp spells. And this one's only four mana, which is a pretty good price compared to a lot of mana doublers that we have. They also kind of made a non-reserve list version of this gauntlet of uh, power which was in Time Spiral, which was a homage to Gauntlet of Might. Five mana. Um, you choose the the color. Um, so it also gives all creatures of the chosen color plus one plus one. And whenever you tap the basic of that chosen color, so it could be mountains, but it could be plains or islands or whatever, then those add an additional of that color. Um, Isn't there a six mana one, too, that's very similar? Sun. That sun. Cage Sun, yeah, that's yeah, but that one, that one is different awesome. because it only helps yourself. Yeah, so th- these ones help everybody who has who's tapping for mountains. Uh, but this is by far the cheapest. It's four instead of five or six. Um, yeah, you know, but the most expensive in the in the real world because <laughs> unfortunately, hmm. yeah, I've seen this in the wild a few times Proxy. when I started playing, but not so much Proxy. anymore. Proxy, <laughs> Proxy, free. or or you could shell out just a mere, I don't know, three hundred dollars for a gold border version or something. I don't know why would you do for the collector's mean? edition? Yeah, that's why would you do it? I don't believe in proxies, but I will pay three hundred dollars for a proxy. I will say it's like a, a dollar on Magic Online. So if you're yeah. a Moto player, it's super cheap. Yeah, that's that's a cool uh, a cool pickup though, because I think most people just don't even know that it exists because yeah. it's so expensive. It's kind of like priced out of existence. <laughs> yeah, it really uh, is. Yeah, but moving on, Phil, what do you got for us in terms of your top five? So my list is pretty similar to thomas i have to admit that i did make a change last minute because seth convinced me <laughs> that malna geyser is probably the better ritual than jessica's will even though jessica's will is a stronger card so my list is dockside curse of opulence mana geyser jessica's will and then i have gauntlet of might because it rams a bit more conventional than stormkin artist which is absurd but it only rams with instant sorceries right Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Gauntlet of Might is a bit easier to ramp with. Uh, thing with Curse of Opulence, I it's maybe it's biased because our playgroup plays this way and is greedy for gold, but this this is just one mana, one mana to create, get like 15 mana or something over the game. It's it really people is. died because of this, like literally. <laughs> <laughs> one gold every turn. Everybody wants it, and you get one too. I mean, it does ramp your opponents as well, which is why it's on uh, second uh, place here. But it's just I can't. I hate this card, by the way. I don't, it's not like <laughs> I just hate that it, that's good. Like just like Darkside, although Darkside at least there is at no least at least there's no upside. Another to dark. player. You literally yeah. curse somebody with curse it's of feel bad for they everybody. Are die. Yeah, it's, it's feel bad for everybody except curse of Opulence. It's feel bad for one person in particular. Oh, so bad. I want, I want the new flavor text to be people. People died because of this. That's just like <laughs> curse of Opulence <laughs> flavor text. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it so. so much. Yeah, pretty similar to Thomas' mm. list in the end. All right, we. Um, I see. So I, I spotted some new cards on Crimson. 
So right. I have some differences but between mm-hmm. all their lists. I have obviously Dockside, Jessica's Will, Mana Geyser. But uh, a few that I have is I, I really like Runaway Steamkin in a mono red deck because every time you cast, it's a one and a red. It's a one, one elemental. Whenever you cast a red spell, add a counter on it. Then when you remove three counters, you can add three red mana, uh, which in it on its own, you can probably just keep going, right? Depending on the kind of deck you're playing. This is probably more like combo eccentric kind of play style, but it is a really good way to just keep generating mana for every spell you play. Um, I, so I, I like that. And then lastly, this card is super niche, uh, but it, it does do a lot of work in the right deck. It's Braid of Fire, uh, one in a red. It's an enchantment. Cumulative upkeep, add a red to your mana pool. That's right. So usually you're often spent like spending mana into cumulative cup upkeep or doing something to keep it around. This one, you just add a red mana in your upkeep. Of course, as the the phases change, the mana leaves. So if your commander is something like, let's say, Perforos, like Bronze-Blooded, you can get a lot of mana on your upkeep and just starting get, to get free activations. Or some fire-breathing effect, like uh, uh, whatever, the the six-mana Uncounterable Dragon uh, that fire-breathes. Uh, eventually, if your deck is loaded with like any kind of like activated abilities, I think this card is really good in there. So like if I had like an Olivia a Voldaren deck, right, this helps me start pinging a ton of things down. So, and then turning them into vampires, of course. So, like, I, it's really good in the right deck because you're just adding more red mana in your upkeep every time. Yeah, it's got a really cool text. Yeah. Very hard to use. You do have to be in the right deck, but in the right deck, it's really strong. You can also cast instance with it. Like, you can build right. up mm-hmm. and cast a big, uh, whatever, Comet Storm or something at instant speed. So, that's another thing you can do. Micro dominance. Yeah. Also, mentioning Steamkin remind me of Burgie. I think Burgie also was like just outside of my top five. It does mm-hmm. something similar. When you cast a spell, you get a red mana. So, it kind of makes all your spells one mana cheaper. Doesn't store up in the same way as Steamkin, but you often see them in the same decks together where if you're cast slinging a bunch of red spells they both are helping you have these big combo-ish style of turns really yeah they do the same thing seem kind of just better at like storing it for the next turns where the does it just... draw as much aggro as a burgie does burgie yeah. is like oh we got we got to kill you or the burgie yeah because it's like you can use it the other side too she has the flexibility yep. of you can if you want ramp you use her on the front side if you want card advantage you flip her over to the backside, and you can discard cards to exile two cards, or impulse draw two cards, I guess. Um, I also wanted to give a shout out to another one. I actually like I like a lot of the red options. Honestly, I didn't realize how much I liked it. But there's one that I feel is is kind of underrated, and that's Koth of the Hammer. Koth's it's a good. four mana planeswalker. Uh, it has a plus one ability. You can untap a mountain. It becomes a four four elemental creature until end of turn, which is like very much like a Nissa type ability these days. Yep. But it's like very much reminds me of like a Garuk or a Nissa where you untap one land. So it's it's ramping you one land, which is not that impressive on itself for a four drop planeswalker. But it's negative two is you add one red to your mana pool for each mountain you control, which is like a souped up high tide in a sense. Unless you're like untapping your lanes, like turnabouting your lanes and stuff, uh, in islands. Like this is just like you can, you can drop a cough and then immediately negative to him and then make, you know, like six plus mana and like a, a mono red deck or something like that. And, uh, that's super fun. Um, so yeah, yeah I like I, cough as well. I love, 
I love Koth. Koth's one of my favorite Planeswalkers. Also, Red has two of the mana rocks that are three mana with enough upside that they're worth considering, which uh, Curse Mirror, three mana, makes a red. ETBs as a creature on the battlefield with haste. So it's like a mana rock that gives you a temporary creature that can deal some damage. And then the newest one is Glittering Stockpile, which taps down a red mana and it put a, uh, puts a stash counter on itself. And then eventually you can sacrifice it and make mana equal to the number of stash counters on it. So it's a one mana every turn. And then eventually it's storing up to make a big amount of mana, which is kind of cool for red because red has these big bursts of mana. And this kind of gives you a consistent mana rock that also eventually gives you that big ritual style effect. So I don't think those are quite staple level, but I think they're three mana mana rocks with enough upside that I at least consider them if my deck is like on theme or whatever, and they do something with a, what I'm trying to build with for the week. Yeah, I like those a bunch as well. Curse Mirror is like, it was under the radar for a long time, but then Mirim showed up and people started respecting it a lot more. <laughs> yeah. um, it went up to like 7 or $10 now, but yeah, it's a good card. Like You just could copy an Eternal Witness for something on the battlefield and get value out of it all the time. So, I don't think it's available yeah, online. Have to control it's the card, right? it is yeah, no, it's any creature online. on the battlefield. Enter yeah. the battlefield, you may have a copy any creature on the battlefield until end of turn, and it has haste. So you copy the biggest thing and you just smash, or you just copy something with an ETB trigger, and you smash that, or you like asshole dragon combo off and win. So cool card. Um, all right, and moving it, on. Seth uh, Green, <clears throat> take us home. The best with green color. Here we go. So uh, green. The hard uh, part about green. Some of the colors we've talked about so far. The challenge was finding enough good options. Green, it's kind of the opposite. There's so many busted ramp options. It's hard to narrow it down to top five. What I have is, number one, Nature's Lore 3 visits. Essentially the same card. Two mana sorcery. You get to tutor up a forest, put it on the battlefield, untap. So kind of only costs one mana since it's coming into play untapped. Number two, Kadama's Reach Cultivate. Three mana sorceries. You search for two basic lands. One go on the battlefield. The other one goes into your hand. One of them is Arcane, Kadama's Reach, which I guess is the slight twist, although that's very rarely relevant in practice. Uh, the Great Henge coming in at number three. It costs a million mana, nine mana, but it gets cheaper based on the power of creatures you have on the battlefield. Once you get it down, uh, it's very good. It taps for two green mana. When a creature comes into play, uh, nine token creature you get to draw a card and you put a plus one plus one counter on it so ramp card draw and growing your creatures number four far seek tutor up a non-forest land essentially onto the battlefield uh, very good because it snags triomes uh not on forest land <laughs> mountain plain swamp or island i guess technically because uh, your triome can have a mountain in its type but it can't only be a mountain but it grabs triomes it grabs shock land stuff like that and then number five a huge list of one mana mana dorks uh land elves elvish Mystic, Finhorn Elves, all just one mana, one ones make a green mana, Birds of Paradise, one mana, zero, one flying, tap for any color of mana. So that's my that's my ranking. I have like ten cards in my top five somehow. That sounds about right, honestly. No, also don't put Farseek in your mono green deck. Y- yes. Yes. No, no, no. That's yeah. that's where it's that's where it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> um Phil, what do you got for us? My list looks very similar in the beginning, like I do have Nature's Law and three visits on pretty much undisputed one for me because that's like I play them in every green deck and I love that they get forests, um, which it's it's just so flexible to get a triome. I mean, in this case, it's tapped, but man, they are just so good. Then we have Kodama's Reach and Cultivate. 
a bit of card advantage included and ramp, although three mana is a bit expensive, considering that the next card is probably for some people uh, that's the best one. Gaia's Cradle. It's a land that does nothing unless you have creatures. Then it taps for green for each creature you control, which is why I oh, I, I don't I wouldn't say it's not strong, but I kind of don't. Like the card too much. It's obviously super broken if you have a bunch of creatures, but I'd rather play Nature's Law in most green decks. It's it's obviously Gaia's Cradle is insanely broken, but it doesn't the it Nature's Law doesn't have a fail case. You just always get the cards, and Gaia's Cradle after a board wipe looks bad. Yeah, the ceiling is insane. The card costs. Uh. Thousands of times as you would pay for a cultivate or something. So, yeah, yeah, you take that for what you will. Sakura Tribe Elder on four, which I guess I have over Farseek here if we compare it to Seth's list. Honestly, Farseek, Rampant Growth, Sakura Tribe Elder, it's all these two mana, get a tap land. I like that it's staple to a creature because you can chump block with it, sacrifice in response, it gets a Clue with Lonis, for example. It just. <laughs> Tile Tracker. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of upside in it being a creature Her. with this ability. You can recur it from the graveyard. And then, yeah, I didn't <laughs> write out all the names, but number five is mana dogs of all kinds. Just make sure they cost one mana, unless it's like some niche thing mm-hmm. that's better. Which two mana? Is there two mana? Mana dog that is played. Paradise Druid? Sometimes? Mm. I think Two mana? Uh, the Blossoms? It's the one that's attached oh, for sure. one yeah. of each color that um, you control? Tender Bloom? Forget its name. Bloom Tender, yeah. Bloom Tender. Uh, Bloom yeah. Tender. Yeah, yeah, this one's pretty one. good. Yeah, okay. So I guess Mana Dogs and Bloom Tender on six or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Crim. Crim's list is wild. Yeah, way yeah. different than ours. Heck yeah. Uh, apparently, I'm playing 2009 Magic over here. Um, <laughs> Boomer so Magic. My, my number one is still Oracle of Maldaya. Uh, this yeah. is three and a green. Wow. Elf Shaman, 2-2. Two, two. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Play with the top of your library revealed. You may play lands from the top of your library. Is this not good anymore? I think this card is still absurd. Like, I think I, it's great. Yeah, like this Ooh, card yeah. still feels like it is just. I mean, yeah, I'm. I, it's not always guaranteed to be ramp, but you know, like the fact that I'm also like deck thinning, uh, getting the lands <laughs> off the top of my deck, uh, able to like kind of get information on what my next draw is. So maybe I need to crack a fetch land or something like that. That's pretty good. Uh, so I don't know. I I like this. This is a bit of ramp slash deck manipulation. So I think this is still a very good card in green because if it resolves, you automatically get that additional land. And I mean, this card probably is in the same... Con- oh, actually, I think this is better than Azusa because Azusa, once you're hellbent, you, you, you're not doing anything, right? But but Oracle allows you to play off the top of your deck when you're out of lands in hand. So I still really like this card. Um, I, I still like sure. Oracle too, although I usually yeah. play it in like landfall decks. It's not... I don't know. If I'm just building a generic deck, I usually focus on stuff that doesn't die to removal, which I think is the big power of, like, 
green ramp in general and of like three visits and Kadama's reach is usually your lands don't get messed with. So those are why I would have them at like a higher tier, I think, than something like Oracle. The lands don't get messed with, which is fair, which I think should be a different topic on its own. But uh, like, like uh, I, I think that though the lands don't get messed with, if Oracle resolves, it isn't another. It's already another land. Right, like assuming well, that you don't have one, if you especially have if there's one off the top of yeah. your library, which a lot you could choose, right? And then that way you get to hold something in your hand instead. So, assuming that this resolves, is it not already another land? I I, I don't see why this is just not better. But it is like nature's law is another land for half the cost, and if you the oracle of Modaya dies, it's almost the that's same. That's the thing; it's awkward because it's turn if, two though. Turn, turn two is good, lore. but I'm assuming green decks already, like, I won't say, like, three visits mm-hmm. and nature's lore isn't, like, good. Obviously, those are good cards, but I assume that a four-mana card is really just a three-mana card or a two-mana, like, you know what I mean? Like, for a green deck. So, this is something where if they remove it, it's just a two-two. Like, you you can remove it, that's fine, but are you really going to remove this two-two as opposed to, I don't know, somebody threatening to drop their commander or or, like, an actual, like, threat? Because... This is oddly in that spot where it's offensive enough in that it helps ramp. It really does deck manipulate, but it's not strong enough to draw the ire of like full. It would draw your ire, Krim. It, it Don't you mine. lie to me. <laughs> it, I it would play draw this, mine. you would snap counter it in an instant. I mean, yeah, Krim. Oh, in an instant. <laughs> I, the average person would not. Or maybe they do. Maybe they do. I respect I'd respect the crap out of this. This is both card advantage and and ramp rolled together. Yeah, but that's if we're why gonna, I, I love that. If yeah. we're gonna count Oracle as a three drop because it's green, isn't the reason why we're counting as a three drop because <clears throat> you have better cards yeah. like Nature's Lore and three visits in your deck so you Fair. can cast it early? Yeah, that, <laughs> I think that's it's a four fair. drop, but it immediately it, gets value. Right, like even even casting this on four. If I don't, if I cast this on three or any earlier, it's absurd, right? But then if I cast it on four, I still love it. Like I I don't I don't see a phase where I don't want it, right? I like Oracle. I just don't think it's better than Nature's or like Cultivate or whatever. And then, I put it on my list because just I forgot it existed. I I thought it was just really expensive for a long time, so I just never played with it. Used to be, but then it got reprinted a few times. Now it's like probably like. Five dollars. It's like ten like bucks now. It's yeah, not yeah, too bad. Do- it used to be like thirty plus dollars, but yeah, uh, yeah. And then I just did not think about it. And then up next, I think although I rank Oracle of Moldaya more higher up, uh, I do think that the biggest draw to green is Mana Dorks. Like, like I know you have all the nature's lore and things like that, but like, oh my god, green has some of the best Mana Dorks. If no, they have the best Mana Dorks, and. Like the mixture of colors that they can add, Birds of Paradise. Like, I don't know. This is this is like green, right? Like this is very green. Lanor elves, things like that. And then, I mean, it's like a nature's lore and three visits. Uh, so I have Sky Shroud Claim, which is four mana. Search your library for up to two forest cards. Put them onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. It's like two nature's claims. Um, it's stapled into one card. I I think this st- this card is still really good. Um, I I, it's probably the best four mana explosive explosive vegetation style card. Uh, and then I then I have Nyx Bloom Ancient. This this has to be ramp. I know it's seven mana, but like holy cow, is this thing ramp right? Uh, it's a it's four and green 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 five five. 
Trample, if you tap a permanent for mana, it produces three times that mana instead. So a mana rock, Soul Ring makes six mana. So I I don't know, this this card has to be ramp, right? And this card, I'm surprised not more nor, not more people have it on their list. Because I think this card is absurd. This is a must kill. It's seven mana. This is a must kill. Seven mana is seven mana is not a real like legitimately everything is free in green. Everything's free. Like like there there's zero like you don't like ignore the top right of the text box. Yeah. Magic cards do not care uh, if they are in green. So I I genuinely think that if you were even able to get this out on turn five, like again, though it is seven mana. Usually, oftentimes, late game ramp is not great, right? Unless it was designed after 2018. So, the, like, a, being a card designed after 2018, it's always good. Because on turn 7, for 7, if I end tap with this, you're probably going to lose. It, it, that's it's the main reason why I hate Nissa. Nissa, who shakes the world, doubles mana. Doubles green mana. So, this does one farther. This triples that mana. So... I don't think this is bad at any phase. I I like Nyx Bloom a lot, but I think of it more uh, as a finisher, personally, than a ramp spell. Like, I'm usually playing it to try to win the game with it, rather than to ramp into something else. I'm usually trying to ramp into my Nyx Bloom, and then my Nyx Bloom wins me the game with the amount of mana that it makes. So I think that's why it's not on my list, even though it is one of my favorite cards. I love I love Nyx Bloom Ancient, and I've done some really sweet things with and it. I'm like still the, losing... The, yeah, so. you're still losing from the from yeah that huge <laughs> infinite spell, so. damage, infinite damage. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, like, I, I, yeah. It, I don't know. It, is is that it, it's fair? I could see that it is like a combo piece, but even fairly casted without like going off. Like I'm now about like to play everything ever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, triple it needs to be removed of, before you absurd. on top if you're playing it fairly. Right. And then, of course, lastly, I have Kudama's Reach, Cultivate, which I think should actually be Nature's Lore 3 Visits. Which I would hire, like, yeah, I would rank it. Yeah, you know what? I'm changing it. It's Nature's Lore and 3 Visits. With just Cultivate, Kodama's Reach being number 6. Because, again, how efficient green is and the things that green has, unfortunately, Kodama's Reach and Cultivate just don't make the top 5. It's interesting because I, I think the biggest backlash we'd be getting to this entire list would probably be uh, Cultivate and Kodama's Reach. I view it very highly, too. I didn't put it in my top five, but I would put it as number six. Yeah. Uh, but I know a lot a lot of the community is like, oh, these cards are overrated, just like Solemn. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Pay three mana, put a lane into your hand so you get your next lane drop, and you ramp? I don't know. I, I still like value Sky Shroud claim over those, by the way. Because That's fair. Sky Shroud claim would get me two forest types and puts mm-hmm. them I've into play. And get two triumphs. Yeah. Prim really loves expensive ramp. I think that's the biggest yeah. difference between our takes on ramp is I really value the efficiency of hopefully spending like turn two or turn three ramping when you seem yeah. more okay with the like turn four plus ramp spells, which are super powerful. But I, maybe it's just different philosophies when it comes to building green decks and commander. Mm-hmm. When it comes to fork uh, mana ramp, uh, there's number six on my list, a card that I try to include in every deck, but it's, I wouldn't call it top five. Tempt with Discovery. Yeah. Um, so you tutor any land, not just any basic land type, and then any opponent can also get one, but for every land they get, you also get a land. So in the end, everybody's happy, right? 
usually that just ends up with me having insane utility lands on the battlefield, but everybody's got people aren't as salty about it, I guess. I Considering you just ramp for something. Yeah, <laughs> so like yeah. attempt yeah. discovery is actually I have maybe it's just me because I have very good experiences with the card. It's just it's just so good. And it tutors any land you can get. I think Tell yeah. is also very good, yeah. The floor is you get any land and put it directly oh, onto yeah. the battlefield, and then the ceiling is you get four of any lands and put it onto the battlefield. And uh, <laughs> some people just do that, but like I get, it really depends on on the play group. Like I, I've seen it happen more often than not. Like it's either it's either you get one or you get four, and almost always <laughs> it's four because it's like the first person will be like, "Well, I'm going to get it," and then the other people are going to be like, "Well, mm. if he got it, I don't want to be behind, so I'm yeah. going to get something too." Only it's, one person uh, needs to bite, and then the whole only table. one person. Yeah, yeah, and then it you get four like, lands. Sounds like Ristic Study. Do you do you hate Tempa yeah. Discovery, Tomer? Like Ristic Study? Because I no, you know because, I'm taking the land. Because <laughs> and then it, ha- else it just will. happens, and that's it. Ristic oh, okay. is the. Do you pay the one? Do you pay yeah. the one? Do you pay the one for that, and just for the rest of the game until you flip the table? Uh, this <laughs> one is just one and done. So yes. Rip that band-aid off. Just take those four lands. Get right? it over with. Yeah, just get those. Just take those four lands. All right. Just, just win. <laughs> just, just win. win. Already. You got it. And your dark depths. Yeah, you know, the thespian stage. Whatever. I don't know. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Um, all right, for my list to 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 finish things up, I put Gra- Gaius Cradle at number one. Um, y'all are sleeping on Gaius Cradle, and it shows. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, I just don't consider it a real card. I know because it's so, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why well, we. Sure. That's why we don't consider it. <laughs> Anytime I play with Vince on EDH and Chill, you know he's playing green and he's oh, running yeah. his cradle, and I I have a healthy respect for that because I actually see it in the wild and stuff. Like, yeah, you need to have creatures for it to tap for mana. Good thing you're in green. The color of creatures, like yeah, obviously. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes we'll t- tap for zero, boo, but like, um, yeah. Usually it's one, but more likely it's like two, three, four, five, six. You're an elf ball. It's twenty, and then and then you win. Um, so I I consider that the best because it can, it can come out early and it can be your Nyx Bloom agent later on or whatever. It does both. Um. And then Nature's Lore for three visits. I value early ramp. It enters battlefield untapped, and it gets duels. Mana Dorks, turn one ramp. It's very good. Even better than turn two ramp, turns out. Um, they died to board wipes and stuff, but like, okay, whatever. I still got my value out of it for like the first three turns of the game, which is the most crucial. Um, and then, you know, you can turn them into like, you can like draw cards off them off Toski or whatever once they've overstayed their welcome. Uh, Sakura Tribelter. It's like a, just a better rampant growth because it's a creature and it sacrifices. So you just get extra synergy potential. And then Oracle Moldiah, I just threw it in there because Krim just reminded me of how good this is. This is like one of my favorite green cards. And I just forgot about the card entirely because I just assumed it was like 30 plus dollars. And I usually bring budget decks and it does get better with like fetch lands and stuff. But even without fetch lands, like you have a bunch of green ramp spells. So you're going to be shuffling as well. So yep. I think it's just good. It's just a good card. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um but we're pretty close, I guess. We have some some, some key differences, but we all agree like nature's lore through visits is good, mana dorks are good, um score a tribe elder. You know. I mean honestly I think we cream. all agree that Gaia's Cradle is 
yeah, insane like, dude. I just no, thought no one is gonna argue that. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no shit. But it is But it's good. I think the strongest of the cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it would like makes Bloom Ancient a little bit, where it's like the big finisher really? that's like winning me the game rather than like the early game ramp spell that's like accelerating me into the finisher. You also, haven't seen like a turn take... three cradle tap for like two plus. I mean, that's that's not bad. I guess that's so you built an ancient tomb. I guess it's like I a guess. better, so better building nature's floor. <laughs> I think. All right, hot take to end. Manadorks are super overrated. <laughs> they just you put them you in sh- number you five. <laughs> well, yeah, but my list had like ten cards, so that's why. Like, was, my <laughs> top cheating. one was like two, and yeah, but they're, they're overrated. They're not bad, but I, my belief with Manadorks is you need to have a reason to play them, and you shouldn't just play them in most decks. You got to have your Edric or your Tosk. You got to have like something you're doing with Manadorks other than ramping. Otherwise, just play your three visits and Nature's Lures and Kadama's Reach and whatnot. Stuff that doesn't get wrapped away, since no one's allowed to play Armageddon in Commander. That's one of the unwritten rules. <laughs> you cannot touch my lands, but you can touch my mana dorks. My hot take is they're underrated. I'll, I'll hot hot take you. They're underrated. You should not be. You should <laughs> be running them Tomer. over your rampant growth and stuff. If you're in a creature heavy deck or a creature focused deck, because green's Tossy. the best color for supporting creatures. So you got your Beast Whisperer. You got your Guardian Project. You got your Totskis, so you're drawing cards off your creatures, and then also you're making more mana off your Gaia's Cradle, and then also you're drawing more cards of, like, Shamanic Revelation, and you can turn them into all mana... Well, they're already mana darks, but you can pump... You can turn them... You can turn them into card draw, turn them to additional ramp, and also turn them into finishers with stuff like Crater Hoof. Yep. So, like, they have so much more synergy than a rampant growth in your typical green deck. Uh, I think they're worse if you don't have synergy, but you're in green! Of course you have creature synergy. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, are you not running these good cards? In green? How much synergy do they have when they're sitting in your graveyard and you're stuck with two lands because you invested in a bunch of land where elves that got wrathed away? Well, well, I still drew my card off yeah. East Whisper and stuff. I still, yeah, I still I'm not saying replace all your lands for mana dorks either, but I am going to say that I agree with Tomer that, like, it, these are probably underutilized because, again, you can't nature's lore on one. There's a lot of one-drop mana dorks that can allow you to play a turn two three-drop, like a Kodama's mm-hmm. Reach or a Cultivate, and then gets you even farther ahead. So by the time the board wipe comes in, it's like, cool, you blew up my mana dorks, but I, they've already served their purpose, right? Like, they've Whenever- already pulled me far ahead, and we got a board wipe out of it, so I don't mind. Sure. When Whenever I hear a take like this from Krim, I always wonder... Is this just him playing the long con yeah. and trying to beat me to play yeah. into his rats? <laughs> Is that why he values high ramp? Because that means he'll have his counter magic ready for it? Yeah. I, no, no, no. You see, I'm secretly trying to spike everyone's minds into thinking, yes, the, play the four drops so I can do my things first. No, no it's no, so Krim uh, can flash in a opposition agent. Yeah, yeah, that's why all of them got him. Yeah, all of these get Oh got. my god, that's it. Nature's lore is too fast for the opposition agents. Yeah, yeah. Get us to play the Sky Shroud claim. This is this and is like more value out of a Sky Shroud claim than the Nature's lore anyway, right? That's, that's true. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. let's be honest here, okay? I I, I think this is some uh, definitely shuffler truther depth, like like, like, like <laughs> tinfoil hat stuff. But yeah, 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 yeah. You think no, I think I'm, that I'm far ahead? Jesus. <laughs> I'm criminal Mandalorians. I think. I think they're legit. Mana are why I'm upset at green. <laughs> like, like, don't, 
Yeah, don't be so afraid that it was like a board wipe going to happen. If you have a lot of creature synergies and you're in green, so you do. Or if you or just have a mix, a healthy mix. You know, you could have yeah, you like four mana dorks. Yeah, you could have four mana dorks you and do four both. ramp. Yeah, ramp cards. And then like, okay, so a couple of them died. Whatever. I still got my turn one ramp and I tur- cast a, a three drop on turn two. That's good. Then it can die. Fine, whatever. It's like a ritual, except a better ritual. So I don't know. But why? What's up? Why do you do? Why do you think they're overrated? You're oh. ah, be, because they they just die too often. I feel like often. I mean, Everything I feel like dies, you have so many you have so many options to put lesson. lands into play, and there's just that unwritten rule that you can't mess with people's lands in commanders. So you might as well take full advantage of it. Like as far as I can tell, that's the biggest reason green is overpowered is because green is the color that can ramp with lands and because commander has an unwritten rule that you can't mess with people's lands. So green just gets to go ham with all these land ramp effects. So for me, I want to take full advantage of that. I Not that mana dorks are bad. And if I'm playing Edric or I'm like build around Toski effects, they're, they're fine. They're not bad. But I feel like for most decks, you're, you're giving up your biggest competitive advantage if you're ramping with things that die. If you have the option to ramp with things that literally they will kick you out of your play group if you if you mess with like that's that's how harsh people take messing with lands you just you can't rat them away because people get so salty about it you know what i think what i'm taking from this is that we should play mana dorks to expedite to cataclysm uh, <laughs> and then and then there and go. then after you cataclysm slash armageddon again fortnite cards are in magic you floss on the table and you go you get ready for a new group because you might not come back to that one <laughs> well, but the thing here is you, you give a point <laughs> You give your your mana so after you've blown up all the lands, right? And you have these mana dorks on the table. You cast Triumph from the Horde with a new secret Ooh, layer Fortnite. Oh yeah, version. then you really and you have infect creatures. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I'm just like hey, look, embrace, if I'm getting kicked out of a play group, I'm doing it that way right there. <laughs> <laughs> Blow up the lands, swing in with Triumph of the Horde's mana dorks, floss. See y'all later. <laughs> Out of dab, here. Dab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you um, think I'm kidding, but I'm I'm like one more green card away from just playing Armageddon, <laughs> like normally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we covered green, we covered red, we covered black, blue, and white, and honorable mentions to the colors cards that pretty much show up in most decks, or at least the non-green ones. That's basically our personal preference. Obviously, these are the ones that we go to outside of the artifacts, the colorless options. Um, But as always, let us know what you feel are your top five for each respective color. And also, um, for people who play CDH, I know that the meta is very different from what we play and what we prefer based on that. So if you're a CDH player and you're familiar with the metagame, maybe give us uh, your insight on what are the top uh, mana uh, ramp cards in your CDH tables as well. Love to hear from that. As always, thanks so much for watching or listening, more likely listening. And until next time, friends, we'll be back next week. See ya!